You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Kermenges. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Winning your league starts with the right data. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to your Friday episode, your last of the week here at the Locked On Rams podcast. You know how we do Fridays around here. I typically try to dedicate the Friday to a mailbag episode, and we've taken a few weeks off, I think probably about two weeks now, just because we had certain guests coming on, so I wanted to shoot those episodes out on Fridays, but now we're back. You know, we got some good questions. You guys always shoot over good questions to me. And they range really interestingly here in terms of the topics. There was a few questions about the running back group, which ironically enough, we did the yesterday episode on the running back group in terms of the training camp positional preview. So kind of broke down some of that stuff there, but a couple of running back questions, some stuff about Terrell Burgess in terms of his role, as well as some coaching staff stuff. So we're going to dive right into it with the first one coming from at JJ from underscore NJ. He said, thinking about if McVay wants to keep the running back by committee approach, who would you guess is the running back three? Raymond Calais, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, if healthy, are all hypothetical contenders for that spot, in my opinion. And you hit the nail on the head there. I think those are the three names that we're basically looking at in terms of, you know, trying to find out, is there a favorite for this running back three role for the Rams? And, you know, if there is, and there probably should be, you know, which guy is it? And ultimately, I tend to think that, it might be Xavier Jones. Now, this is really based off of nothing, to be quite honest with you. We obviously haven't gotten to see you know, any of these guys really play in terms of the NFL level. Raymond Calais, sure, he returned a few punts here and there and kicks and stuff like that. But other than that, he wasn't drafted by the Rams, so he came in with the Rams, you know, I believe it was after he was cut by the Arizona Cardinals. Xavier Jones, a former undrafted guy, now going into his second season in the NFL And, you know, he hasn't really gotten any touches, so we don't know what he is as a player. And then the last guy that you mentioned, Jake Funk, he's a rookie, so he's obviously never played in the NFL either. So a lot of question marks. You know, I tend to think that Xavier Jones might have the inside track to, you know, at least getting the first opportunities to potentially getting that running back three role. But it's really going to depend what the Rams want out of these guys, because if they're looking for someone to be, maybe on the bigger end of the spectrum when it comes to size, you know, to maybe be a better blocker, then it might be someone else. But if they want somebody who's a better receiver, then they might go with an Xavier Jones. Or if they want to keep a guy on that roster, on the active game day roster, who's going to be a very good special teamer, then maybe Jake Funk is the guy. I tend to think that it's probably going to be in terms of the ranking. I would go Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, Raymond Calais. But I really think this is one of the spots that's definitely open on the roster to you know, a lot of competition here. And I definitely think that those three preseason games, the training camp practices, they're going to be vital to help decide which guy is ultimately going to go up third in that pecking order in the running back room. We're going to continue along with the running back questions here. And this one is from at Johnny Lorette one. He said, now that Malcolm Brown's gone, Akers should be the Rams main ball carrier for them this season. That being said, who do you feel will be the guy at the goal line between Akers, Daryl Henderson, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, or is it going to be a mixture? 
I tend to think that it should also be Akers. You know, like you mentioned, Malcolm Brown is gone. He was the guy that the Rams really like to use in those short yardage goal line type of situations because, you know, we're talking about a guy that was like six foot, 225, very, very tough, very physical. Now he's gone, and that means somebody is going to have to take that role. I tend to think that Akers is still the best option in terms of that short yardage role. He's a smaller guy in stature in terms of the height, but he's very filled out in his frame. He's a thick guy. He's got strong legs. He's very good on contact. He's very good in terms of the balance, trying to stay upright and break tackles. So I think it's going to be Akers, but you know, I don't necessarily think that any one of these guys stands out, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. I just tend to think that Akers might be the best guy suited for that role as well. This next one and the last one in this segment is again from at JJ from underscore NJ. After one year of Kevin O'Connell as offensive coordinator, how confident do you feel in him going forward? Obviously, McVay still calls the plays, but do you think O'Connell's presence led to any significant changes in the offense last year? And, you know, this is one of those hard questions to answer because unfortunately, we just don't know how much is divvied up in terms of Sean McVay's preferences. How much is it Kevin O'Connell? Is there a mixture? I'm assuming there obviously is, but really what guy brought what scheme or what idea to the table? We don't know. We're not privy to that information. All we can really do is guess, but I tend to think that, you know, I like the move. I think Kevin O'Connell is a very smart offensive mind. He was a guy that obviously Sean McVay wanted to go out and get and add to his staff, and he blocked the Los Angeles Chargers from ultimately trying to grab O'Connell this offseason because Brandon Staley, if you recall, who was obviously with the Rams last year as the defensive coordinator, he tried to grab O'Connell for his own staff, and I think that it was going to be a one-to-one type of move. It wasn't going to be a promotion. I think he was going to be an offensive coordinator for the Chargers, or they were going to try to interview him for that role, and the Rams blocked that from happening. And I think that was the first coach that Sean McVay in four or five years with the Rams has ever blocked from being poached. So that tells you just how important I think Sean McVay believes O'Connell is to this offense and to this team in general. And so I think that, you know, that speaks volumes. Now in terms of what he, you know, brought to the table to the offense, is there any schematic type of changes? I'm not hundred percent certain. Maybe he ultimately, you know, pushed the Rams or Sean McVay to run a little bit more power last season as a running game as opposed to just being consistently that outside zone-based offense because that's pretty much all the Rams ran from 2017 through 2019. So maybe he had something to do with that, but I think we're going to see a much better look at what they really prefer from their full-time offense, really opening up that playbook this season because like I mentioned on this podcast many times, I think going into this season, the Rams probably have as few limitations from the quarterback room or the wide receiver room, the skill sets on offense that they've ever had, you know, maybe over the Sean McVay era, or at least comparable to that 2018 offense. And as we know, that offense was by far the best that the Rams had under Sean McVay, and it was a very, very productive and explosive one. So I tend to think that we're really going to get a good look at who Kevin O'Connell is this season, who Sean McVay wants to be this season, and what they can really do when they put their heads together, bringing towards, you know, this ultimate goal of trying to field the best offense possible. It's going to be very fascinating to see what they can come up with this new quarterback in Matthew Stafford and the rest of the new pieces that they have on the offensive side of the ball. Now, talking about the offense, we're going to take a flip to the defensive side of the ball and talk about that in the next segment. We've got a few questions talking about, you know, the coaching staff as well as a guy like Terrell Burgess and what his role may be in the defense next season. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. 
You can find me at QB's MEP and the page at Locked On Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are closing up and nearly getting to an end. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Mailbag Friday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. We're going to pick up right where we left off, and I mentioned it before the break. We're going to pivot to the defensive side of the ball here. We talked about the offense, specifically that running back room a little bit, but now it's time for the defense. And my guy at Will Carella shot over a good question. He said, Kevin Demoff said this on the 11 personnel appearance. That is the podcast hosted by the Athletics Jordan Rodriguez, as well as Rich Hammond. He said, we may lose Troy Hill, an all-purpose defensive back. Terrell Burgess is really earmarked for that role. Was this a hint that TB, meaning Terrell Burgess, may play nickel, or is it just something else? You know, I'm not really certain. I tend to think that the Rams like to be very multiple on the back end in terms of their defense, the secondary. And, you know, with that being the case, Terrell Burgess is one of those guys that it's going to be very hard to really just pinpoint what he is as a player. I tend to look at him as this guy that, you know, we trend towards this positional list type of football in 2021, and I think he fits that bill very well. Sort of similar to a guy like, you know, how the Seahawks use Jamal Adams. He's not necessarily just a strong safety. This guy is coming off the edge to blitz. He's playing a little bit of linebacker. He can play single high and do that free safety type of role. He can play that strong safety role. He can man cover tight ends. I tend to think Terrell Burgess is probably going to be used somewhat similarly to that. Maybe not as extensively like a blitzer or something like that. But, you know, Burgess is a guy that can line up in nickel. He can play some snaps there in man coverage or in zone. I'm sure he can blitz. You know, we haven't really seen it much, but I think he has that in his wheelhouse. He can play linebacker on sub-package downs. He can play single high free safety. He's probably the best at it amongst all the Rams' current safeties. He can play split high safety roles like a strong safety. This guy has a legitimate tool belt with a lot of skills and tools on there that the Rams should utilize. So... I tend to think that there may not be, you know, this full-time nickel player like there was last year with Troy Hill, who's going to line up there, you know, 99% of the time. I think it might be half the time someone like a David Long or a Jalen Ramsey, if they're sliding him into that nickel role inside with a wide receiver one of the opposing team, or 50% of the time with a guy like Burgess, who, yeah, he might line up somewhere else, but he can rotate into that role while he's on the field. And half the time, that's the battle, right? Is who do you have on the field? Because you can't always substitute. Sometimes offenses go quickly. And when they do, you better have players that can do a multitude of different things or different roles. And Burgess is one of those guys that the Rams could definitely utilize. So I feel like I rambled here. Long story short, He could be a nickel player. I think he'll definitely line up there to some degree. I don't think it's going to be like a 95% type of role where he's going to do that consistently snap after snap, but I would be shocked if we don't see him in there, you know, at least a handful of times every game. The next one is from at the Mike. He said, after seeing Brandon Staley get poached after one season with the Rams and many other assistant coaches before him, what is your over under on the number of seasons? We will see Raheem Morris as our defensive coordinator. And that is a good question. You know, it's, become a theme here where the Rams get poached and their coaching staffs 
just get eviscerated. I mean, year after year, you're seeing so many coaches leave the building from the Aubrey Pleasants to the Shane Waldrons to the Matt LaFleurs, the Zach Taylors, the Brandon Staley's, and so many guys between, you know, the Joe Barry's, all these other guys. Some of them get head coaching opportunities. Some of them move on to different promotions or, you know, even the front office in some cases. And I look at Raheem Morris. I'm not really sure because this is a guy that's been in the NFL for a long time and teams have had the opportunity to hire him as a head coach multiple times before. So unless something happens, you know, where the Rams aren't satisfied with the performance that they're getting from the defensive side of the ball, I tend to think that Morris might be one of those guys that actually lasts a little bit longer with the Rams because, you know, he was a head coach with the Buccaneers many years ago. I guess you could say that experiment wasn't tremendous because he did get fired eventually and he didn't have some crazy successes there. And then you look at the Falcons last year, they also had the opportunity to hire him as a head coach and you know, so did every other team and nobody did. So unless he comes into the building here and just dominates right from the get-go to the point where, you know, the Rams defense doesn't drop off one bit and they just look absolutely unreal. I tend to think that Morris might be a guy that actually stays with the Rams for a little bit. The over-under, I would probably say, you know, should be set at two and a half years because two years to me seems like a near certainty unless he gets fired by the Rams versus three years is probably pushing it a little bit. So I would set the over under on two and a half. I would say, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd take the over, but you know, it's very, very close because I think two years is a near certainty, but three years is probably pushing it a little bit far. The last question in this segment is from my guy at assorted goods PC. He said, do you think this roster has solid enough depth to get through some injuries this year? Keep up the great work with the show, buddy. I appreciate that, my man. Thank you for that. And that is a very good question. Now, you know, each position is obviously going to be unique to itself. So, you know, some positions may have more depth than others. But when we're talking just in a general sense, I think the Rams have pretty good depth. You know, there's only three players that when I view this roster that are completely irreplaceable. You know, if you lose one of these guys, well, you're not going to be able to make it up. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And that's quarterback Matthew Stafford, which is the case for 32 NFL teams. If you have a good quarterback, he is not going to be replaceable. So that is one guy. And the other two are, you know, the defensive stalwarts and defensive tackle Aaron Donald, as well as cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Those are the three players that you cannot replace regardless. So, you know, that does provide a little bit of fear because if you do lose one of these guys, suddenly, you know, you take a big, big step back. Specifically, I'm looking at the two defensive players, right? The defensive line without Aaron Donald might be the worst in the NFL, but at the same time, you put Aaron Donald in there, they might be top five, top three, maybe number one. It really depends just how you look at it. And the secondary may be less bad without Jalen Ramsey, but Jalen Ramsey really, really changes the game for those guys. With him, you're talking about a top five unit, probably in terms of the secondary without him, how high are they? You know, they might be league average at best, if not worse than that. So those are the guys that you cannot lose in terms of the depth, just in general. You know, I think the secondary has a lot of good depth. They should feel pretty good about where they're at. The linebacker position, very weak. I mean, the starters are questionable. So, you know, the depth is going to be questionable too. But the good thing about that is, Maybe the starters and the backups, there might not really be a drop-off between them because, you know, the starters might be ranked 30th in the NFL, whereas the drop-off to the backups might be ranked 32nd in the NFL. So the drop-off there is pretty much non-existent in my opinion. You look at the D-line, the depth, 
is average, I would say. You know, they don't really have much depth there. I would definitely be a little bit concerned at the edge spot. The interior spots, I think they have good depth. Sebastian Joseph Day, probably a starter. And if he is, you know, Ashawn Robinson, do you consider him a backup or not? Greg Gaines. So you got some good players there. You got Bobby Brown now. I tend to like that spot. Edge, a big, big question mark. You lose Leonard Floyd, and I don't know how much you have behind him. Now, flipping to the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver and running back, I think you're perfect at. You are loaded in those positions. Tight end, you know, a little bit of question marks behind Tyler Higby, but. I tend to think that Jacob Harris and Bryson Hopkins have a lot of potential. So, you know, if you do lose Higby in that regard, I don't think you're just kind of stuck with nothing. I do think those guys have some potential there. So could be worse. Offensive line is always going to be an issue. If you lose one guy there, you're probably going to have some problems because, you know, they're starting offensive line has some question marks is Bobby Evans good enough to be a starter is David Edwards a guy that you want to rely on year after year is Austin Corbett going to be a good center so some question marks there but I tend to think that where the Rams are weak is where most teams are weak in the NFL you look at the quarterback spot you look at the irreplaceable superstar level talents at you know cornerback and pass rusher and then obviously the offensive line it seems to be really similar for most NFL teams I would say so Looking at it like that, I tend to think that the Rams are in a pretty good spot with their depth. I'm not too worried about that. But again, those three names, they got to try and stay healthy as long as possible because those three guys, Stafford, Ramsey, Donald, those guys are always going to be irreplaceable regardless of who you have behind them. It's going to do it for this segment. In the final segment, we're going to dive into the final few questions and take a look at some of the upcoming free agents as well as the rookie wide receiver rankings that I had way back when in the draft process. And while we've got you, make sure to check back in here next week at the Locked On Rams pod when we continue our training camp positional preview series. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You heard me correctly, two decades. We know there's no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with this COVID stuff we got going on. So if you can, I try and urge you to do that. If you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, there's a good chance that they've got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. Throughout that time, I was looking for the best protein bar, the best protein company, and finally found one called the Built Bar. I'm telling you guys, there is nothing quite like it. They have so many delicious flavors. They're also super delicious. They're healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you on a keto diet, and the texture is unlike any other protein bar I've ever tried. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the Lockdown Today podcast, the sun has set on the Los Angeles Clippers' season. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Lockdown Today podcast. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Mailbag Friday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. I'm your host, Sosa Kermendez, and we're going to pick right back up where we left off. 
And we got two more questions that you guys shot over to me for this episode. I appreciate that. This one is from at JJ from underscore NJ. By the way, JJ, I appreciate you shooting over these questions. You shot over a couple and all of them were quality. He said, looking ahead to the 2022 free agents, some of the pending starters, Sebastian Joseph Day, Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, as well as most of our inside linebacker group of Kenny Young, Micah Kaiser, Traven Howard. How worried should we be about those starters leaving as well as the potential rebuilding of our inside linebacker group? And, you know, right now, it's hard to say, obviously, because these guys, their price tags are obviously going to change depending on how they perform this season. If they have a bad season, then maybe they don't get paid as much as they want. Or if they have a tremendous season and they break out big time, then you're talking about guys that could get a lot more money than we're expecting. So, I tend to be a little bit more cautious and concerned when it comes to cap space and the Rams because we know that they're not, you know, too nervous about spending that money. And a lot of that money is always dead money from guys that they've traded away. Now, looking at their cap space next year, and obviously the salary cap has not been set for next year yet, but they're already in the negatives, negative $11 million. And like you mentioned, you got Darius Williams, Deshaun Jackson, Austin Corbett, you know, some of these other names, some of these big players, Joseph Nopum, and you mentioned a few of the linebackers, all upcoming to be free agents. Man, that is a lot of players. So you know the Rams are not going to be able to bring back everyone. And I tend to think that they have to prioritize guys like Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, maybe a Sebastian Joseph Day, depending on, you know, how the depth behind him develops. But when you look at the inside linebacker group, I'm not too concerned there. They have Ernest Jones, who they drafted, who I tend to think is going to be the one guy that, you know, they want to groom for the next couple of years. And I tend to think that at the end of the day, this is a guy that has to start for multiple years for them. And then beside him, that's where things start to get interesting. Is Traven Howard going to be a guy that steps up? Is Micah Kaiser ultimately going to be someone that the Rams want to bring back? And if not, you know, do they feel bad about letting these guys walk in free agency? I tend to think, no, I'm not too concerned about inside linebacker. If they have to rebuild that spot next year, well, then so be it because they still have Ernest Jones and I'm sure that he's going to be one of the stalwarts for that defense moving forward. But after him is where things get murky in terms of the water there. And, um, you know, I'm not huge on the current inside linebackers anyway. So if they ultimately have to pay somebody or draft another name to pair with Ernest Jones, I tend to think they'll be okay in that regard. But I'm much more concerned about losing guys like Corbett or Williams or Sebastian Joseph Day. Now we're on to the final question again from my guy at Will Carrilla. He said, considering our rival Seahawks drafted Dwayne Eskridge one pick before we took 2-2 Atwell, can you remind us how these two stacked up against each other in your pre-draft analysis? And that's why I enjoy watching you know, prospects pre-draft is because I got to watch both of these guys. I tried to watch everyone that the Rams had in for pre-draft visits. And these were two of the guys that they had, obviously. So, you know, it's a good thing that I got to watch them because now we can go back, look at some of my notes and actually compare them. So looking at these two names, I had Dwayne Eskridge in the second tier. He was the third name listed there. I want to say probably about 15 names down in terms of the prospect rankings or the big board. And Tutu Atwell, he was the third to last name. He was in tier three behind a few other players. So clearly I was higher on Dwayne Eskridge as a wide receiver prospect or as a player in general. But I tend to think that both guys are going to be, you know, pretty good NFL players. Now, Atwell, you know, in terms of my notes and stuff here, I thought he was going to be much more of a specialty type of player. You know, you're going to use him in that gadget style role. He's going to obviously play a little bit of receiver too, but he's just so light that I don't know that this is ever going to be a guy that, 
you know, you could truly line up on the boundary or wherever and leave him there for, you know, 50, 60 snaps a game and expect him to really be able to produce snap after snap like that. I don't know if he could do that. And that's kind of, I guess, where my question marks were. He's very light. Can he play against press coverage? Can he do these things that typical receivers have to do on a snap-to-snap basis? But I'm very, very intrigued with his skill set still. And I think he brings a lot to the table for the Rams in terms of what McVay can do with his skill set. Now, Dwayne Eskridge, to me, was a lot more natural in terms of the receiver ability. He did go to the Senior Bowl as well. We got to see him there against some of the nation's best number one corners and senior prospect corners, obviously. So, you know, we had a better look at what he was. And he was a very, very explosive player. I liked him. Now, he's a bit of an older prospect, so there's a big difference there. I think Eskridge was 24 coming out versus Atwell, who's 21. But Eskridge is still a lot thicker. You know, this is a guy that looks like a much more traditional type of wide receiver. He's very, very dangerous after the catch. I mean, he is potent after the catch. And he's a guy that can stretch the field vertically, too. He's got a lot of speed as well. So they're somewhat comparable, right? They can both win vertically. They can both create yardage after the catch. But to me, I just thought... Eskridge was a better traditional receiver. And on top of that, the yardage after the catch ability, man, this guy is a menace in that regard. And he still brought, you know, to the table that ability to actually go vertical and win over the top of defenses. So I thought, you know, this is a guy that does fit everything that the Rams should be looking for in one of their wide receiver prospects here, considering the guys that they already have on their roster. But I tend to think that, you know, both guys still very good players. The Seahawks got the more traditional type of player in Eskridge versus the Rams going the less traditional type of player in Atwell. And it's going to be very fun to see how their careers develop. Like I mentioned, though, Eskridge does have three years worth of weight training and football development and maturity and all these other things in his life because he is older. So, you know, technically speaking, a guy that's 24 should be further along in his developmental curve versus a guy who's 21 years old. So very interesting players. And it's going to be very, very fun to watch how their careers pan out. And ultimately, you know, we don't know who's going to be the better player until we look back two, three, four years down the line, maybe even longer. And it's going to be fun to see and be able to compare these guys because they did get drafted just one pick apart in this past draft. It's going to do it for this mailbag episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening to another episode here and for shooting over some really, really good questions so we can always get down and communicate with each other. I appreciate that. And while we've got you here, make sure to check back in next week. We're going to continue our training camp positional preview series diving into the wide receiver room as well as some interesting comments from left tackle Andrew Whitworth talking about a potential retirement on the horizon just a reminder you guys can come connect with us on twitter at qb's mep and at locked on rams and please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes content breaking news and a whole lot more